Welcome to another episode of How You Can't Too with your host, your boy, Alvi, a.k.a. Danny, a.k.a. Mr. You Can't Too. I have one of my great friends on the show today, none other than the creative entrepreneur himself, Julian Castro. I really enjoyed this episode because we got to take a deep dive into his journey of starting out in corporate America as an engineer and his entire journey going into entrepreneurship, sharing all of his lessons, his insights, and ultimately how he got to the place where he is now, where he understands that art is life and being able to creatively express ourselves is so important. That's something that resonates deeply with me. I think it's so important that we understand that being able to fully express ourselves and do that through whatever feels right to us is super important and something that I want to see more of out there in the world. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with Julian. If you do enjoy this episode, please, please, please share it with your family, friends, and loved ones. It will mean the world to me if you leave a five-star rating and a review of the show. I honor you. I appreciate you. And as always, you can too. Enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I have an amazing guest in line for you today. I've actually had the pleasure of knowing this person for, we'll say, roughly three years now. Mm-hmm. And we first met at a part two of gratitude training where I was one of the coaches in the room. And, you know, in that setting, there's a lot of sharing and personal development, unraveling, breaking down, building back up. And there was so much in this man's journey and story that resonated with me that I just knew I was going to be connected to him going forward. Welcome to the show, artist, phenomenal man, individual, my brother, Julian Castro. Thank you. I actually forgot that's how we met. My first memory of you is like you staring me at the face in the face and being like, I see you playing small. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. And, and was I lying? You were right. <laughs> that was oh, so funny. Shit. It's that's so real. funny. Yeah. And that's what's crazy about it too. Like it was so funny to be in that type of um, environment because whenever I think about gratitude training or for anyone that's listening, if you've done any type of you know, leadership development training or transformational leadership development training. Um, it's really is about getting uncomfortable yeah. and maybe having people see you in a light that you're not seeing yourself so that you can come through it even deeper. So, yeah, I'm not surprised I said that to you uh, <laughs> off rip. And it's been so cool, Julian, to share so much space with you. Um, you know, at the time of this recording, we had just got done recording for a new project that you're working on. And that's something that I really adore about you is that you have projects that you're passionate about and you go about creating them. And we talked about this a little bit, but creation in the sense of taking nothing and making it into something without considerations. So somewhere I would love to start here with now, start here with now is how has your journey of becoming an artist gone? What is that? origin story if you will oh man uh well going way back when i was little i loved playing with my hands like creating um i liked art a lot for sure in school but pretty much anything that i was creating so i would like build i built tree houses in my yard i would build little tracks for my remote control cars to race on i would build like little modeled cars and like take them apart and add electric engines and (laughs) propellers so that they would like move on their own. Um, I was always like fairly creative. I think it's also being an only child. I was, Mm. I became good at keeping myself entertained. I hear that. Um, Are you an only child too? I'm not. I have an older brother, seven years older, but I I might as well have been an only child. Gotcha. Um, So yeah, and then when I went to college, that's like looking back that's kind of when it shut down um i started 
it was just like, all right, time to get serious about career. And um, I studied mechanical engineering, which is still like a very creative thing. But um, and then after college, but in college, I didn't do any art, any creativity. I also played music a lot growing up mm-hmm. in a band. And in college, I think I played the drums twice. Wow. And then when I graduated, I went to work at BP, the oil company. I was doing um, kind of like project management engineering stuff. And there, looking back, there was like not much tolerance or appetite for creativity. Mm-hmm. Because especially in the oil industry, safety is very important. So when you know something works, we're just going to use what works. Mm. And there's not a lot of room to like try new things or, I mean, there's always a lot of technological improvement, but it takes a long time before we actually like implement something new and like try something new. Mm. And also like being quote unquote at the bottom of the totem pole as a fresh college graduate, having no experience, um, my input didn't carry much weight either. So looking back, it was like my creativity was totally shut down. Mm. Um, Not just externally, but internally, I was disconnected from my creativity. And I think that's a large reason why at the time I was feeling so numb, lost, depressed at times, um, unfulfilled, unmotivated Mm. and I think a large part of it was I just wasn't expressing my creativity which is something I talk about now is I think expressing our creativity is such a foundational practice for people to implement you know it's not just going to the gym and eating healthy it's also like how are you expressing yourself creatively even if it's just writing a haiku in your journal in the morning Mm. Like, I think having that creative expression allows this energy, this emotional, spiritual energy in our body to move. And when it's stagnant is when we end up in situations like I was at work, where I was totally just un, not loving life at mm. all. I'm curious, because you were in this space where you were in an environment that was very traditional. The way that they did things was yeah. the way they had been doing it for years. What was the moment that you remember where you realized like, oh wait, like I am miserable, this isn't it, and that maybe a shift needed to happen? There was a couple, there was one time I was in the stall in the bathroom, like I literally started crying. Wow. And you know, there's a whole like, you're a man, don't cry, don't show your emotions. Mm -hmm. I was like, what's going on? Like, Wow. wow, I hate my life. And I was in Houston, this was during the winter, which is like, all, all you northerners listening are like, oh, it's not cold there. <laughs> like, to me, it was cold. <laughs> Jul- Julian is a Floridian, for all of you listening. A I, South Floridian. I'm a South Floridian, born and bred. Um, so it was cold. It was the winter. Like, I hadn't seen the sun in probably, like, three days. <laughs> I was not doing well. Um, so that's when I was really like, oh, wow, I'm really not doing well here. And then I knew... A friend of mine's dad one night taught me how to meditate Mm. and he said, keep meditating every day and see what happens. So I kept going for a few months. This was a year into work. And after three months of meditating every day is when I started to realize I was not happy. I didn't actually choose to be there. Mm. It was like a lot of co-created choice between the schools I went through uh, my upbringing, what my friends were doing, my family. Mm. And I was like, I didn't actually fully choose to be here. Wow. Um, and then there was one time at work, this was kind of like the tipping point. I went to the old water cooler in the office mm-hmm. and someone asked me, a coworker, he looks at me and he goes, how are you doing? Mm. And I responded, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then he responded, I'm good. How are you? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's what I was like. I need to get out of here. Talk about that autopilot behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So that was funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's always fascinating to hear 
people's experience of finding out when, oh, this isn't it. Mm-hmm. And we just recorded together and I was talking about my realization of waking up one day as a 23-year-old man in a corporate setting and waking up Monday morning and being like, holy shit, like I'm miserable. And it actually took me getting fired to actually make a change. What was it that actually allowed you to actually start the process of making the change and shifting into where you are now? Yeah, well, there's a few things. It was definitely the meditation um, helped me actually spend time with myself and Mm -hmm. like start to listen to what I actually wanted and what my inner voice was saying. Um, and then that I also at the time I went to college in Houston and I was living in Houston a lot of my best friends were also engineers they got jobs in Houston so living in Houston after college was like an extension of college for me Mm. except now we were making money right which basically meant we were partying more right Um, and all that time I spent out of work I was mostly either drunk or hungover Mm-hmm. which isn't very conducive to reflecting on what I actually want to do with my life. Right. So I remember at the around meditation time when that started, I injured my shoulder and I got s- surgery on my shoulder. Mm. <clears throat> and I used that as, that as an excuse to tell my friends I couldn't drink for three months. Oh, nice. So while people, instead of being hungover now on the weekends, I had all this energy Mm -hmm. and I had time to like reflect and like read books and like read travel blogs and like start to look at other like maybe graduate programs or like go to startup networking events and I started trying all these things that like all right I know what I'm doing isn't it what else is out there nice and also I want to say too I feel like the corporate world gets way too bashed in these types of conversations Mm. like I'm not saying the corporate world is like this terrible place right right. I'm just saying it wasn't for me and like I think people can feel these things in any situation amen no I think that's a great point that's a great point I think there's a distinction between the corporate world being a terrible place quote unquote versus an individual just not being in the right spot in the corporate world that works for them so let the record show neither Julian nor myself hate the corporate world. Correct. Yeah. Not going back, though. No, no, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's interesting. So what I find fascinating and something that resonates with me is how your sobriety, right, so not drinking, really took this veil off of your head and gave you this renewed energy to go exploring and starting yeah. to see what else is out there which is very similar to me when I was telling you my story when we were recording together, you know, I stopped drinking. And I think that had a big part to do with like, oh wait, I feel so much better now because my default is not this like hungover type of feeling, which led to all these different types of opportunities and looking at life. So what was it then once you started to look into these new things, where did you actually go to from there? Yeah, so I basically knew I don't want to be where I'm at. My options I, were consider- I was considering was either go to grad school, um, get a different job, probably at a startup in a tech, something more entrepreneurial, smaller company. Um, I was even like on weekends, I would drive to Austin sometimes to go to like tech events and networking things. I went to South by Southwest. Uh-huh, so I was yeah. like dipping my toes in that world. Um, and then the other option I was considering was to go backpacking. Just like quit my job, take some time off and go backpacking. Mm. Like open-ended for a year. So I was like wrangling with this decision. Like, what do I do? I need to leave. I'm so unhappy, but I don't know what I'm going to do next. Mm. And then someone at a Toastmasters event gave a talk about this practice he did. And when I did this practice, I knew right away what my answer was. Mm. So what the practice was, and now I do it once a year. Okay. This is, I'm thinking this is probably my sixth year. Um, you sit down, you set, a time, you set aside probably like three hours and turn off all electronics, no phone, no laptop, no distractions, and handwrite a hundred things you want to do in your life. Oh, wow. And when I did that back then, you, I wrote it out 
and looking back and then looking because I use it it's not it doesn't become like a to-do list for this next year for your life okay for me it's more of like a direction and it'll show you trends so I wrote that out at the time and I looked back at it and it was so obvious that what I want most is to travel wow to have that adventure and then right away I knew like all right that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna travel I'm going to quit my job this was probably in August of that year and I was like okay I'll work for the rest of the year, I'll save up a little more money, um, I'll get my bonus, and then I'll go. And then once I had made the decision though, within like two weeks, two or three weeks, I had left. Because uh, like once I knew what I was going to do, I couldn't stay there any longer. Mm, so for sure. September and I left. And it's fascinating too because in your mind when you first did that, you had this idea that like, all right, like logically i'm just gonna wait to this time and i'm gonna save this much money so i have this much money to go do the thing or to fall back on whatever it may be but within you what i'll call spirit had already made its mind and it's like no like that's this is no longer in alignment and you ended up leaving essentially a quarter early right hell yeah yeah for sure so where did your travels take you oh man so that was fun um one way ticket to costa rica was the start and then yeah, I learned pretty quickly that I wanted to, I liked to travel slowly and just really like stay places. So I would stay in certain towns like weeks at a time. I ended up being in Costa Rica for six weeks. I went to Nicaragua for six weeks. Um, Panama, Honduras. Um, and then I went to Brazil, Argentina, and Chile. And then I went to Vermont. Nice. Um, I went to work at this summer camp that I used to go to when I was a kid. And oh, I always amazing. wanted to go back, but I never, quote unquote, had time to go back. And look at that. So now I finally had time to go back on staff. So that was amazing. That was 10 weeks in the summer. And then I ended up on a whim, booked a flight to go to some like Virgin event with Richard Branson about it was called virgin disruptors about startups okay i was like all right i'm going to london and then that started a six to eight week stint in europe wow um in the fall and then 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 i was like emotionally and financially i was like all right i think it's time to stop traveling so i ended up uh moving to miami man that's powerful so basically you took a trip from central america south america Vermont, Europe, and throughout those times, you eventually got to this point where it was like, okay, you like to travel slowly, you like to immerse yourself in these different cultures. I'm sure it added to your perspective of yourself, Mm -hmm. the world at large, and eventually you get back to this point where emotionally, you felt like, all right, you were ready, and, and that brought you to Miami. I'm curious, what was that emotional place that you were at that had you say like, okay, like, I'm ready now? Mm -hmm. It was... Oh man, good question. I've never really reflected on the emotional journey of that whole year and a half of traveling. Mm. In the beginning, I was... I think I was just so exhausted that I just needed many months of just like sitting on the beach mm-hmm. uh, to just like return to steady state equilibrium of being a human. Right. Um, and then one thing that really stuck out to me on that trip was meeting so many different travelers, both that were either digital nomads working remote or they were making it work working in local businesses. Um, I just started to see like so many different ways to live. And then also meeting uh, people that were on vacation from their corporate jobs. Mm. Um, And seeing that energetic difference between people that were traveling full time or were now living like in a hostel in Costa Rica versus someone who was there on a one week vacation and like Mm happy to be there but also like dreading leaving in three days right wow um so i don't know it just gave me so much perspective and then at the end when i was ready to when i realized i was ready to stop it was 
it was just this intuitive like feeling that I'm good like that was so fun and I did so many things that I wanted to do and I didn't want to wait for this uncertain thing called retirement to do right that yeah it was just an energy I guess I felt rejuvenated and motivated and inspired to um get back to work I love that yeah and it makes a lot of sense what comes up for me as you beautifully explain that and something that I touch on in my book is how important it is for us to fill up our own cup and it seemed like your cup was so empty from what you experienced, you know, those last few months yeah. at your work and what you were starting to discover about yourself through meditation, that going on this trip and being months away, being on the beach, having the conversations with the different type of people who were traveling to travel versus traveling to, in a sense, get away, right, right? which was kind of what you were doing, right, as part of it that allows you to fill your cup back up. And then now with that full cup, you're ready to come to Miami. And now I'm curious, when you got to Miami, what was your plan? Like, what were you looking to embark into having all of that experience? So my plan when I started traveling was to probably get a job at a startup when I was done traveling. But, I met someone when I was traveling, an American expat living in Costa Rica, and we just got along really well and just like jived. And she was doing some consulting, some branding consulting work remotely. Um, And this was the very big, like she was one of the first people I met on this trip. Mm -hmm. And we just like loosely kept in touch as I was traveling around. She ended up hiring me to help her with a client project. and, uh, and I was like blown away. I was like, what? Why are you hiring me? And she's like, I just, I think you're smart. I'm like, the way you think about things. Oh, yeah. Like, you're going to do great. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so her and I, Gigi, shout out. Hey. We ended up uh, starting a startup that we were connecting. It was a matchmaking service to connect startups with corporations mm. to help the innovation and the tech and the speed of startups Um, but they need more resources and to make a bigger impact. Our hypothesis was that connecting them with corporations who lack in the speed and the the innovation typically, um, but have the resources and the reach, we, our hypothesis was they would work really well together Mm. and like to, to create a service and essentially like a platform to do that would be a great thing. So when I moved to Miami was when Gigi and I like got serious about it and we were working on it. Um, and then on the side to make some money to pay for bills and those things, I kind of, as a joke, started freelance photography. (laughs) What do you mean by as a joke? I didn't believe that I could make money with it. So it was a joke to yourself. To me, to me, it was a joke. A true inside joke. A true inside joke. I told no one I was like to myself, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if people give me money to take pictures? Mm -hmm. To do something that to me was fun and that I was naturally good at and I didn't go to school for? Mm. That'd be weird. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked. So within six months of moving to Miami, I had left the startup. I talked to Gigi and the photography had taken off. So within six months, I was like, all right, I'm I'm a photographer now. And that's how my Miami journey started. I love it. And that was your first dive back into this creative place that you love so much as a child. And you spoke about it, too. Even with your engineering job, there was ways to be creative, but it was a different type of creative. Like this was back in that childlike wonder, that childlike play of creation. I love that. And I'm just curious, like in my life, something I'm starting to really understand now is that no matter how quote unquote positive I think something is or how many positives I have coming in, typically when we talk about equilibrium and balance, that means that there's negatives happening at the same time, right? And vice versa, when there are all these negatives are happening at the same time, there are positives that are happening at the same time. So I'm just curious of what did this journey now of entrepreneurship through photography what was that starting to bring into your life and starting to unfold in terms of now finding the balance between all of the good things of 
having your own business, being an entrepreneur, being a startup, being in this childlike wonder. And then also at the same time, I'm sure challenges that came up along the way that ultimately have built you into who you are today. Can you let us under the hood a little bit of what were some of the positives and then also like just huge challenges that came up from that that enabled you to grow? Oh man, so many challenges. (laughs) We were talking before we hit recording. You want a real personal development program? Start your own business. Boom. (laughs) Boom. Um, So many, dude. Like at the very beginning, the first major hurdle for me was to just start charging for photography mm. because I, it was like the joke I made earlier, like photography was something that I was naturally like good at, I mm-hmm. had an eye for, um, I didn't go to school for it, it was fun, like one of my first gigs was shooting a CrossFit competition, mm. which I loved CrossFit, so I was like seeing all these celebrities in my eyes, taking pictures of them, talking uh-huh. to them, and I was like, I can get paid for this right right and the next one after that was model volleyball which is modeling agencies on miami beach having a volleyball competition and the people i was shooting for they said you need to take more pictures of butts and i was getting paid for this okay i could do that (laughs) so it was so hard for me to start charging money for photography because yeah i just didn't believe i could make money with these things and that i think was um, a lot of the challenges and the growth over the years have been around unraveling limiting beliefs that I had around money mm-hmm. and career mm. and what I can do as a career compared to my first experiences with career. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Something I almost hear in there too is also this idea of like worth like what am I worth what's my worth in doing something like this because I really resonate with you when you talk about how you were doing something fun that you were good at that you couldn't really believe that you were doing as a career and it was kind of this discomfort of like okay like how much do I pay for something like this or not pay but how much do I how much do I charge for something like this and I resonate with that because when I first started personal training I was telling you this in, in our interview together. When I first started, I was an intern. So I was making no money, mm-hmm. right? And I was in the process of getting certified. But at the same time, I needed to make money. So I just got a job at GNC because I thought like, oh, that's how I'm gonna learn about supplementation and all of that. And that was all BS, but a great learning lesson. And I started training people on the side at the local park, oh, nice. uh, mostly friends. And I remember Julian, I kid you not, and everyone listening, I was like nervous to raise my price to one of my friends from $15 a session to $20 a session. Bro, I was like, oh my God, like what's this going to mean now when they give me a $20 bill and I don't give them that five back? Like, it's going to be crazy. And it's just so funny though to see how that's transpired in all different types of my progression around price. Because I remember the first time I charged $100 for a session. And like in my chest, like getting tight, throat getting constricted and like literally feeling my heart rate go up because I was just like, God, like even though in the standard of, say, South Florida training, that's like kind of the mean. Right. Right. And now versus now when I'm selling programs to people, having two options of, hey, for six months, we're going to work together closely and all of these things for 12 grand or we're going to work for the year closely on these same type of deals without going too much depth right now for 20 grand. And it's just so interesting to see how, to me, it doesn't matter the number, but it's my association with the number and seeing this difference between $20 and $20,000 and still seeing how the same feeling could be there depending on my own story. So I think that's fascinating that you bring that up. Yeah, it's all your own story. Because it's like, how do you, how do you measure these things that we do, these services we provided with money? It's so arbitrary. Right. And it's yeah, I think what I've learned is it is just a, it is purely a reflection of what you value it at. Hundred percent. Which I don't even lately I've been like, 
I don't, I don't like to use the term self-worth around like charge what you're worth mm-hmm. because you can't, your worth can't be measured in money. Mm-hmm. That's Facts. Like, like letting go of. Facts. So it's more like charge what you want or like charge what feels good to you. Or what I feels like better. that. Right, right. That's a fascinating the way you put that because I never really thought about it in the sense of like, you know, charge what you worth is literally putting a cap on right. what I'm worth as a person. And it's like, how could I ever and what do you that? Do, like what you do changing people's lives with their health that's totally priceless right like if you were to charge what that's worth it's like give me millions of dollars because i'm saving your life right so you know it's like so hard to measure that it is it is and that's such a that's a cool cool subject to to touch on and i'm curious real quick just to give a little more context how old were you when you started photography and then how old are you now um, I think I was 26 when I started, 25, 25 or 26, and I'm 30 now. So 30 now. So it's been about five years, right, in this process. And we just left off at the photography, but now in the way that I know you, there's so much art that you were putting out in the world, and there's even a whole paradigm shift in how you want others to perceive art how are you describing art nowadays or what resonates for you in how you're trying to bring art to the world? Yeah, well now what I'm saying, <laughs> we were saying earlier, like we, we tend to create and help people that, we're basically helping past versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So just looking back all the time I spent disconnected from my creativity and not expressing my art, um, I just get so fired up when I, can have conversations with people and I see that I am somehow influencing them to reconnect to their creativity mm. and express their art, whatever that means. And art is not paintings. Art is literally any expression of your creativity or your desire to express something. Art can be the way you dress, it can be the way you cook your eggs, it can be the way you work with spreadsheets at work. Like art is everywhere, but it's just reconnecting with that creative energy that I think is, I used to think art was pointless. Mm. And I was like, what are these like creations? Like they're pointless. But now I think it's the most important thing in society and humanity and the human experience is to express your creative force. Love that. Because we all have the creative life force to create other humans, to procreate. Right. Which is a lot of creative energy. And most of the time, we're not creating other humans. So we, it's like we need, for our own health, we need to put that creative energy to use in other places. Absolutely. So that's like our, the point of living is to like create. I love that. It's to create other life forms. So like... All our art creations are also life forms that we get to create. I love that. And it's so funny how, like, you know, we've, we've known each other for, for some time, but this is by far the most time we spent together just talking and, like, really going in, going in. And, you know, I'm hearing more of your story. You've heard more of my story earlier today. And what I find so fascinating right now is this parallel that we both have with life. So check me out for a second. So one of my biggest things that I really live by now and I wholeheartedly believe is that life and health are synonymous. What I mean by that is it's really the same thing. To me, you can't live a great life without great health. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you can't have great health unless you're having a great life, like truly enjoying the things that you're doing. So they're, they're similar, they're one and the same. And when I hear you talk, what, what I hear come up is life and art yeah. are the same thing, yeah. right? You can't be living life at its highest expression without producing your art. Mm-hmm. And you can't truly produce your art without understanding how your art is a direct reflection of how you're viewing or have lived your life. Mm-hmm. How does okay. that resonate with you, kind of just this balance or this interdependency of art and life. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was experiencing before when I was unhappy with 
my life was I was I, I was experiencing a disconnection between my art and my life. So what you're saying, I think, is like spot on. It's the connection, the inter interplay between art and life. And I would even throw health in there, like art. I think art. I've never really like thought of this until this conversation, but I think expressing our creativity is like a healthy thing. To Absolutely. Yeah. I see that 100. percent I mean, when we talk about mental health, emotional health, I mean, think about how fascinating art therapy is. Yeah. Right. Think about how many different modalities there are where, you know, a therapist will tell the patient like, hey, I want you to draw right now and just do this thing. Mm -hmm. And they might have a whole unpacking or uncovering from what's going on. And then one of my favorite teachers, Paul Check, I don't know if you dove into Paul's work yet. You, 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 you would love Paul, but Paul loves painting. He loves art. Like he makes these beautiful mandalas. He makes a mandala every year that's essentially bringing in what is he looking for coming forward in his life. And something that he actually does in his practice is in between workout sets, he'll have people draw. So it's like, you know, imagine going in, you just got all your heavy squats in, and now you have like a, a three to five minute break until your next set. He'll have people go to the chalkboard and start drawing things. Whoa. Right? And it's just amazing where he'll, the connections he'll bring between like, okay, look at what you drew. This really means something. Wow. And there's also this idea of like, hey, like you're getting kind of like into like this parasympathetic nervous system by drawing. You're getting this, in this creative space. And just like you said, there is this connection between art and health and life. I mean, they all work together. So I'm not surprised to hear that you came up with that connection. And I think it's really cool to see someone like my mentor, Paul Check, intertwine that mm -hmm. in his practice. So you're telling me that if I draw between sets, I'll be able to squat more. It's possible. You'll be able to do anything more with it, right? Anything Paul does, it gives you the, the chance to just level up in some type of way, which is fascinating. Wow. Yeah. And, th and that's something I would like to segue into a little bit now is because, you know, whenever we we catch up with each other. We're always talking about like life mm -hmm. and like, you know, we have no problem as men tell each other when, you know, what we're struggling with, what we're working on, you know, again, what are the highs? What are the lows? What are we going through? What do you feel like with what you're experiencing in life right now, beginning of the year, you got a fresh haircut, right? Julian used to have these long flowing Fabio locks and now he's rocking a, a nice short haircut. And when I saw the haircut, you know, I don't judge or anything like that, but I, I just made up in my head like, oh, that signified something or there was something there. Yeah. So I'm curious, like going into this year right now, it's like, where's your mentality at? Like, where are you going? What are you creating? Mm. Um, you want the real answer, don't you? Yeah, that's, you all, that's all I ever want. So... I'll just like quickly touch on last year, which will give a set up for this year. Last year was the most stressful and challenging year of my life. Mm. Uh, like dark night of the soul, rock bottom. It was not fun. <clears throat> and in the fall of 2021 was like the worst. And that's when I got the haircut. Because to me, it was like, I just... I need an energetic shift, mm. um, like the letting go of this like past chapter of my life. It felt like um, it was also like during Saturn return, which for anyone into astrology, you you'll know what that means. But it's basically this like chapter shift of adulthood, the first thirty years being like the first chapter of life, and then you're transitioning into a new chapter. So. Yeah, it was not fun, and but the lessons I've learned and what I'm integrating now this year is like growing up and being a lot more responsible for creating the results that I want, and also the feeling, the feeling that I want most because the last five years since I started photography and being a creative entrepreneur, I have winged it a lot mm. as far as the business goes and financials 
Um, and it has been really project-based, which is, there's been like really cyclical, like I'd make, I'd have a lot of work and a lot of projects and then times when it was really slow and it was just really taxing on my nervous system mm-hmm. and really stressful. So what I'm really focused on now this year is like putting on my big boy pants and like taking care of cash flow nice. and like creating both within me personally, like a sense of stability and security. Right. And then also creating that sense outside of me in terms of like healthy cash flow in my business. I love that. I love that. And it's something I resonate with because, you know, I've been entrepreneur now for gosh, almost, almost seven years now. And it's been interesting taking the time to find that consistent flow where it's like, I'm doing the work I love and I can consistently count on the money that I require in my life to be coming in. And it wasn't until, you know, really like 2020 where it hit like a, the most consistent flow it's been. And then each year after that being the most lucrative year that I've ever had from a financial standpoint and also from a sense of fulfillment of what I'm doing and bringing out to the world. And I'll say, man, like once you have that intention of like, hey, like I'm putting order and systems into the business, it really takes it to another level. And even now, something that I struggle with is, okay, I have these things that are going smoothly, right? They're moving without me having to do too much in them. But how do I make sure that that still goes while I'm still pursuing the other things that I'm passionate about? And what I've learned now and something that I'm looking to do is really expand and not do things by myself. Like there's a lot of things like Alejandro helped me so much this last year in terms of keeping me organized and doing things for me. And it's helped out a bunch. And now I understand to get to like the next level, it's collaboration and it's working with other people who are heart-centered, similar missions, um, and we have ways that we can better each other and going after projects like that. And then also, too, just being ready to invest in health and like, hey, like if I want to spend you know, a couple hundred dollars a month or even if it's $1,000 a month to hire somebody on a part-time basis, that's going to allow me to stay in my genius, do the things that I love, and then pay someone to do the things that they love that are also the things that I need so that... I could take that next level and then I get to get past the stories of scarcity or that, oh, I'm a man, I could do it myself. Like, and it's not that I can't, but I don't want to. For what? It's not the stuff that I love. So, you know, I definitely see a lot of myself in you and how you're talking about this process and, you know, that first step of realizing it and making that commitment of like, you know what, I'm getting my my cash flow right, both intrinsically and extrinsically is a huge step. Yeah, for sure. And another thing coming up that you just talked about is for me letting go of the lone wolf energy and also like accepting help, um, whether that's free or hired help. Right. Same thing. Like more co-creating things with people, taking my hands off the wheel a little more. 100%. I mean, what comes up for me is that, what's that old saying goes? Like, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with others or yeah, something like that. And it couldn't be, couldn't be more true. Mm-hmm. And that's what is cool. And that's why, you know, I'm excited to be co-creating with you. And we're going to have things that we work on and we do together. One of your projects that you're working on right now that, that's super special. I don't know if you're talking about it out loud yet or not. But, you know, I would love for you to, to let the listeners know a little bit about this new project and how it came about. And essentially how maybe someone listening can get involved if something they feel called to. Yeah, so I'm working on a magazine called Art Is Why. Mm. In 2019, I went through the book Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, and that helped me basically reconnect to my creativity in a whole new way, and that's when I started painting again. It was in 2019. And when the... So basically since then, when the pandemic hit, is when I started taking selling my art seriously and that's when like my art business started um so for the last two years i've been doing the client work with the photography and the digital stuff but i've also been selling my art and that has been taking me even deeper into 
what it means to like be connected to my creativity and to be expressing my creativity and to be doing hosting workshops in my studio for other people to help them connect to their creativity. I've really, for the last two years, been in this world of how important it is to be connected to your creativity, go for your dreams, and make your art. So, in the same vein of what you're saying, of like working with others and creating projects that you know go beyond me as an individual, um, Art Is Why is a magazine, a brand, that is all about inspiring people to go for their dreams and make their art. Absolutely. Whatever that looks like. It's basically everything we've been talking about in this conversation in the form of a magazine or a brand. So the intention is for it to be a physical printed magazine that people order. Um, it's going to be on a quarterly uh, schedule to start. There will be a digital component as well. I'm recording interviews and videos and content. And I just want to share stories and messages and teachings all around inspiring people to go for their dreams and make their art. And each uh, issue will also have homework and actions for people to do so they can read these stories, they can feel inspired. But if, if you don't put anything into action, it's like nothing, it doesn't matter. Right. So there's gonna be these homeworks, these actions in each issue for people to put into practice into their life. Mm, I love so that. that's really cool. And the coolest thing that I'm experiencing with this is everyone that I have invited to contribute, including you, just seeing how their, the opportunity for them to contribute is like growing this project mm. more like energetically. And I'm like, whoa, this is cool. Like I, I'm seeing how much more of an impact I can make getting others involved, working with other people than mm. being by myself in my studio painting. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And like we talked about um, today so much of is how arts is such a powerful tool to be able to express. And for me, I was honored to be a part of this because there's so much that I want to express and I want that to come more through speaking now. I want to be out there speaking, talking to people. And I know that it's so important to have the space to do it. So for you to be creating something like this is absolutely powerful. And I think it's really expanding the definition of what we look at as art. Just like you said, it's not just paintings and sculptures, but it's everything, right? It can be how you're showing up in your work, how you produce your work, the things that you do to bring peace to yourself. All of it is art. And for everyone listening, I want you to think about how are you bringing your art to the world? What can be changed? What can grow? What are you already doing at a high level that you want to continue to be consistent at? Because I believe when we are expressing our art and we're sharing it with the world, we're making the world a better place, For sure. which is amazing. And Julian, are there any just last words that you want to leave the listeners with and maybe it's something that man you wish you would have heard yourself even just last year when you were going through these uh hard times but that has again led to creation yeah. <clears throat> i think it goes back to the meditation my the meditation helped me start to listen to my intuition because I think we all have the answers within us of what we should be doing or what the next step should be for us. So the thing I wish I knew and that I try to help people also like with coaching that you were talking about is like slow down and listen to yourself. Whether it's journaling, meditating, go for a walk in the woods, spending 24 hours without your phone, what 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 like you know what what the voice is saying you may be scared to admit it you may be scared to listen to it you may be even more scared to put it into action but you know absolutely you know what that thing is that you should do next or that you really that you would rather be doing mm -hmm. so yeah my wish is to listen to that voice and just take the smallest or largest step towards it that feels I'm slightly uncomfortable to yeah. you in this moment. 
Absolutely. No, just man. do it. Because mm. mm. you might die in a year. Right. Or in a day. Or in a day. Yeah. Just never know. And again, life is now. And, you know, you're just like Julian said, you have all of your answers inside of you, but it takes this sensing of yourself to be able to catch it, to be able to be there, to hear it. And then from there, it takes a massive amount of courage to now act. And I mean, that's that's art, that's creation, that's life, that's health. You know, take the time to listen to yourself, to be with yourself and to have the courage and confidence to take that leap. Yeah, the courageous, art, art is a courageous act. Mm. And then one thing that helps me with the courage too is like thinking about the worst case scenario. Like, all right, I'm gonna go start a photography business. What's the worst that could happen? Right. And then you play out the worst case scenario and realize it's not that bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not gonna die and I can recover for it, from it, so might as well do it. Absolutely, I love that. And I learned that from Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you heard any Zig Ziglar uh, stuff. I have. But yeah, for sure. I mean, all these, you know, I've, what I've come to find out is everyone's saying the same thing. It's just whose voice does it uh, resonate with. And again, because of that point, it's so important for all of us to be sharing this magic and to be talking about it. Uh, Mr. Castro, Julian, where can everyone listening find you and everything that you're up to? You can find me on my Instagram, which is juliancastro.art. Or you can check out my website, it's juliancastro.art. And the magazine has not launched digital yet, so stay tuned on my personal stuff to find out about that. And that's it. That's awesome. Everyone listening, make sure you go out and you check Julian out. He's an amazing, amazing, amazing creator and an even more amazing person. I actually just purchased my first piece of art from him. and. We'll have some content around that that you'll be able to view soon. It's a beautiful painting, so make sure that y'all check out his art. And when you find him, make sure you told him that Alvi sent you. Mr. You can, too. (laughs) Much love to you all. Much love to you, Julian. Thank you. Love you, man. Love you, too, brother.